episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 60. This week I sat down with Matt Randall from Dubbo in New South Wales. Matt's got quite a few cool pickup builds on the go and uh, we had a really good chat about that and, and his love of the XY Falcon and you know he's, uh, he's quite the local car guy in Dubbo and sort of buys and sells a bit of stuff so yeah really good conversation um just just fun to talk to someone like matt who i guess similar to me you know i, I like to to buy the odd truck off a farm and and sort of rehome it and yeah so that was a really fun conversation uh i wanted to just reach out to our listeners i know i know we've got quite a good listener base now and you know everyone's in a different circle i've, I've got a handful of guests that i really want to get on the show uh, so you guys can can hear their stories, I suppose. And and I just thought I, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before or I've run through a few of these guys, but I thought I'd just mention it again and see if you guys uh, have any contacts out there that you can maybe help me. I've I've sort of tried to reach out to all of these guys through social media and through all sorts of ways, but having a bit of a, a hard time. So anyway, have a listen. If there's anyone there that you think you might have six degrees of separation, you know, maybe you can help me just get in contact with them. Uh, I'm not after any money off of them, you know, we're not doing anything, we just want to talk about trucks. So number one on my list is Clint Eastwood and, uh, you know, you might chuckle at that, he's a pretty big name and unfortunately, you know, well not unfortunately, but, you know, Clint's 92 years old now, he's still going strong and, and you know, he's, I've always loved his movies, but I've noticed just about every movie he's ever been in, he drives a classic old pickup. It's normally a Ford, but he's been in a few Chevs. But, you know, every which way but loose, he drives around McQuaid in the in the old truck and, you know, through bridges of Madison County. And if you think about just about any movie you've seen Clint in in the last 10 or 15 years, you know, he's, he's in a classic old pickup truck. And I'm convinced that he, he just loves old pickups and I'm convinced he'd love to sit and have a chat with us about them. But I just can't seem to get through his agents and his lawyers to actually contact him. So if you've got some form of uh, contact for Clint or even for his son, I've tried through his son a few times, but uh, yeah, hit me up or, or let me know. Next one on the list is Eric Banner. Um, you know, Eric has a really nice F100 that he's built and uh, he'd be a great guy to get on the show and obviously uh, chat about a bit of stuff. But you know, if you've ever watched his movie you know love the beast and and seeing his story with his ford you know he's, he's a car guy he's, he's like us and just because he's a famous actor doesn't mean he doesn't want to sit and talk trucks so if anyone's got a contact on eric banner i'd love to hear from you a uh, bit of a strange one as well dr harry cooper so we all know dr harry from tv and he's he's a vet and he's got an old dodge that i believe he drives as a daily driver an old dodge pickup or might be an international but uh, yeah, so try to reach out to Harry. I think he'd be fun to chat to. Toby Price is another one on the list. Uh, Toby's got a 
got a really nice F100 as well, uh, really cool truck. So, you know, obviously a bit of a legend in the motorcycle world, a Dakar rider and, you know, multiple Fink champion and, you know, just all around legends. So, you know, a bit of a reach, but if anyone's got contacts for Toby, that'd be awesome to hear about. Uh, next on the list for me is Rick Kelly. So everyone would know Rick Kelly, V8 supercar driver. So Rick's got a really nice F100 that uh, he's built and he's currently in the middle of building a really cool Ford COE. So um, definitely a big Ford man and a big truck guy. So Rick Kelly, um, you know, if you're out there listening, uh, give, me a, give me a shout and, or if, if you've got some connections to Rick, um, you know, I'd love to just reach out and have a conversation with him. Uh, and following up with the V8 supercars is Scott Pye. So uh, Scott's got a Ford uh, F100 as well. Uh, supercar driver. So Scott Pye and Rick Kelly. Anyone with any contacts, give me a give me a shout. And uh, and probably numero uno on my list. And if you don't reach for the top, you never get there. Uh, is Chip Foos. So we all know Chip from overhauling. Um, you know he he has an amazing F100 that was his dad's that he learnt to drive in. And if you've watched the show, then you saw the guys surprise him and rebuild it. And you know I'd love to get him on and just have a have a good chat to him. So. Yeah, big call out. Um, you know, if even if I got one of those guys on the show for us all to listen to, I think it'd be fantastic. And um, so, yeah, that's your that's your uh, job that I'm giving you this week is to you know have a bit of a think. Do you know anyone that's you know in the V8 supercar realm or somewhere uh, you know attached to Hollywood that uh, we can reach out to a couple of these guys and, and try and get them on the show. So that's about enough rambling for me. Uh, episode 60, Matt Randell. I hope you guys really enjoy this and I, I hope you're getting some work done on your own trucks. So Matt, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we were talking earlier, you know, I, I'm a member of way too many Facebook pages and it seems like you are too and I see you popping up all the time. So good to finally uh, sit down and have a chat with yeah. you, mate. Yeah, it's good to be here, Michael. Yeah, I appreciate, uh, appreciate the invite, man. It's been a while since I've done one of these uh, things. So yeah, man, be good to chat. Yeah, and uh, you're up in Dubbo in New South Wales, which, you know, I, I definitely find guys who live in the country have better collections because we obviously just drive around, and you, you know, you see them in the paddock and you go and have a chat to a farmer. So um, it's quite funny. I, I put a post out today. Lance, his Truck Hunters TV show is back on the TV doing the runs and he was on today. Yeah. So you're a bit of a truck hunter yourself really, aren't you? Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned Lance, actually, because me and Lance are really, really good mates. Um, yeah, we sort of actually, we, we've done a, a bit together, but yeah, I'm sort of a, a Dubbo version of it. Uh, sort of, one of my friends actually said, you're like the, the Dub Vegas trucker there, <laughs> aren't you? I was like, yeah, I think I am. I think, I think in the last, I think on the last count, in the last 18 months, we've bought 16 trucks. So, <laughs> been a few. Uh, not good parts. Yeah, that's good. I um, I chat to Lance a lot. I chat to Lance a lot. That sounds quite funny. Doesn't it? I chat to Lance a lot. <laughs> you, yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> Sir, Sir Lance a lot. Sir Lance yeah. a lot. Yeah. And uh, and I've been hassling him to come on the podcast for a while because you know I love what he does. You know, the, there must be 20, 30 guys driving around in in vehicles they've bought off him. You know, he's he really has saved a lot of good stuff from the crusher and. Uh, yeah, he's just not that keen. Uh, I think he'll come on eventually, but um, he's obviously been going through a bit of stuff. So, so tell us a bit about yourself. Um, you know, what did you grow up in that area, and, and what were your, you know, what's your first automotive experience that you recall? 
Well, I, uh, I moved out here 10 years ago, uh, but prior to here, I spent five years in Canberra and then a couple of years uh, in a little, little place called Bombala. And uh, for when I was 15, I'd actually moved up to Cooma. So my, my, my car years really would have started in, in Cooma, um, down in the Sowing Mountains, uh, where we've still got a lot of friends who are in the cars there today. But my first, my first memory of a car, I was only telling my missus the other day, uh, when I was about four or five, I remember drawing this, this car and it had eight exhausts and it had flares everywhere. And, and I realized that cars had to have dress up when I was, before I even hit primary school. Uh, my mum used to say, can you draw anything else? And, and I was like, why? So I think, you know, I, I think the cars were in the blood. Uh, actually, when I did a bit of history with my, my dad, um, I, I didn't know my grandfather too well, but he was a, a panel beater spray painter and used to do V8s. And so he was riding them into Indian motorcycles and into, into vehicle restoration. So. I think it's sort of in the blood. Yeah, love it. Yeah, and, and did that rub rub off on your dad? Was he a bit of a car guy, or or not so much? No, he, he drove Taragos, mate. He had four of them. Like what the? Yeah, sometimes the gene skips a little London now. So <laughs> yeah, skip that generation. But no, he look he he was really good. He realised that I, I sort of was into it pretty seriously, and so he actually when I was sixteen. He sold his nice little GLI Tarago and bought two 351 ZD Fair, uh, ZH, 79 model, whatever they are. They're both 351 FMX uh, 9 inches in them. And, and, and we flogged the ass out of them. <laughs> it was great. So that's that, that was my dad. He was supportive. He just, uh, anyway, uh, we killed those cars. But yeah, it was good. So. But then he went back to Tarago's. <laughs> <laughs> They're a good family mover. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember actually I bought a, uh, when I was 17, I bought an XW Fairmont that basically was an XW GT that had been written off and had been rolled into a Fairmont body. Uh, JG33 number, motor, had all the gear, all the bells and whistles. And and I went and got it. I bought it off this bikey for 3300 bucks and a heap of parts and swapped it to a six-cylinder XW. And uh, I bought it back. I said, hey, Dad, take this for a run. And we were in an industrial estate in, in Cooma, and he's just taken, he's just launched it down the road. He's come back a minute later. He's got out. He's looked at me and said, son, that car will kill you if you do not respect it. It was about 400 on the horsepower and dropped the sickest skids. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was L-plates when I bought that one. So <laughs> so what, what was, was that the first car you had when you were on your P's, on your license? No, I had this X. Yeah, I had uh, actually. Sorry, I would have been just on my P's. I had a um, a, a black XW Falcon uh, sixty nine, and um, it wasn't black. It was blue, and I got it and I sprayed it with rattle cans and I put a set of twelve slots on it, new tires and a wing, and uh, and it looked cool. I thought it was cool anyway, except you know it wasn't the best paint. But uh, yeah, that was my, my starting point as my first car, and yeah, you know, zip around the old bench seat six cylinder Falcon and. Uh, but, you know, always loved early from early, early days. Um, actually, I meant to say before, I grew up actually in a, prior to all of that, I grew up in the Southern Highlands in New South Wales. And about 500 metres from our house was a man many people know by the name of Owen Webb. And so Owen Webb, who's basically one of the kings of Summonats, um, I remember when he had Wild Thing, the, the first Pro, Pro Street uh, XW, and he had this... Uh, 
incredible black ute. And, and I was, I remember I was walking to school one day and he's, he's pulled this ute out of his driveway and it's just launched down the road, first, second, third, and fourth, smoking three gears and popped her into fourth. And something inside of me was like, one day, uh, uh, I'm going to have that car. And uh, it wasn't that car, but it certainly started the process. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, you, you, you're saying you're a bit of a Ford guy and a bit of an XY tragic. And where, at what stage in life have you looked at a, an old pickup truck and, and said, oh, they're pretty cool. Maybe I want one of those. I think uh, I, I got into the, look, I've always wanted to build the hot rods. Uh, and I always said when I turn 50, I'm going to get into the early 30s Fords. Uh, but along the way, I think uh, I just, uh, I was actually out west here. I just sort of realized there was an availability of trucks and the, the XYs had actually dried up for a while. And, you know, I started seeing the Chevys, the 47 and 52 models. And I thought, man, these are, these are cool looking, these are cool looking utes. And seeing particularly moving more and more into a patina style with the big steel wheels and airbags, I thought, these are mad. And anyway, we, um, we started to, I bought my first truck. Um, about two years ago, not quite two years ago, it was an international mate of mine had for 500 bucks and I thought it'd be a super cool rat truck. And then I found another international for 500 bucks. And then I started to look around and, you know, when you're like anyone, when you're sourcing vehicles, which I do a lot, a little bit like Lance, um, yeah, I started to come across more and more trucks. And, uh, anyway, I, um, yeah, it's a funny story. I, I actually went through a divorce, a, a bit of a painful divorce a couple of years ago. And um, I, I'd started talking to a, a girl who's sitting across the room from me right now, uh, Natalie. And, um, you know, it, it's funny how there's signs, but I was sort of starting to really think, you know, I, I think I want to build a rat truck as my uh, future future work truck as a daily driver because uh, the XYs, I used to take my XY, but I own two of them and I'd take them to work. But... Anyone who knows a nice XY shouldn't be throwing the tools in the boot and tools in the back seat because it's a, <laughs> a bit naughty, but did it anyway. But I thought, no, nah, just let's do a rat truck. And uh, so I started looking for a 55, um, and a 55 Ford um, F100. And anyway, I started talking to Nat. And one day she invited me down to their family farm down near Parks. And anyway, as we're, we're going through the, the junkyard, not only do I find a 55 F100, find a 54 F100, find a 53 F100, and I find a 52 Chev. <laughs> and that's, that began the process. Now you found the, you found the right girl. Oh, I found the right girl, and you know what? She loves cars. We're actually in the middle of building her an electric blue 351 XY replica as we speak. So, yeah. So, uh, tell me a bit about... So I was uh, having a bit of a scroll through your Facebook because that's what I like to do before I interview people is to um, kind of delve a little bit. But you got a bunch of wedding photos on there, and there's a there's a yeah. nice. Uh, I'm guessing it's not yours, but it might be a, a sixty. Is it a sixty four F one hundred that red patina one? Yeah, so that actually belongs to a mate of mine called Todd Hart, who lives at Peak Hill, and uh, yeah, Todd's a very very good friend, and uh, he's he actually. Uh, he would be the guy who got me into the rat trucks. So he had a 52, uh, which is where he sort of fell in love with him. Um, he, uh, he bought it from a gentleman uh, in Westcott over in Parks who built it. And um, that had a six liter with a six speed in it and uh, all the bells and whistles in a very farm organic truck. 
and but it was cool and it flew and um yeah let me take it for a bit of a burl and i think that's what probably sealed the deal for me to to get into them and uh anyway when uh, unfortunately he sold it to a fellow over in Oberon, uh, which is getting around over there somewhere now but uh the the ford the the f truck is what he bought and that's uh that's a three five one five speed uh, with airbags so that thing sits right on the ground nice and proper and uh yeah so Toddy was the first guy to jump on board when uh, we wanted five rat trucks and Toddy was the first one to say yes <laughs> for the wedding that was, yeah. That's awesome. And uh, Peak, Peak Hill's a little town of frustration, isn't it? You you know what's in Peak Hill. <laughs> Everyone knows that yard and uh, everybody knows that yard. But, you know, around Peak Hill, if you, you, you need to know Peak Hillians to be able to get access particularly to that yard and... Uh, Anyone who knows that yard, a week doesn't go by where you don't see one of the Facebook pages. Someone go, hey, I discovered this rear yard full of cars on the highway. And you're like, yeah, you're, you're number 10,050. And, uh, but that's the owner of that. There's a bit of a conversation around that family. But the, the same people who own that yard, um, which, by the way, is a really cool splitty sitting up the back split window, V-Dub, which I've eyed on for a long time. Uh, it's not his to sell. No, no. But they own the, as you might be aware, they own the dealership, the whole dealership. And, uh, you know, the three EH is sitting in there, and one of them's just absolutely mint. So, and, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, Peak Hill. Peak Hill's pretty famous on that one. Yeah, I, I spent a bit of time there. I, I had a really good conversation with him, actually. I spent about half an hour chatting to him. And, um, because, uh, there's a there's a 58 Biscayne sitting in there that's just like ready to drive out. It's so beautiful. And I was like, what the hell? I saw that splitty, but yeah. that, that splitty's really beat up. The roof's completely screwed on it. And but um, there's also a a forty seven fifty four um Chevy truck in there as well. And uh, yeah, so I tried to buy that off him, and he he was prepared to sell it to me, but but I wasn't prepared to to give him enough money to make it worth his while moving the 10 vehicles that you had to move to get it out. So yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Someone needs to go in there with a million dollars and just buy everything. Like, yeah, just say to him, look, buy the lot. here's this amount of money. I'll buy the whole lot and then they can sell it all off and those cars could get restored because I mean, there's HQs, there's, there's yeah. just everything. It's, it is a, it is a definitely a, a gem. It's actually just down the road. Uh, there's a little, um, I guess a little wrecker, his name's Jethro. And um, it, as you come into Peak Hill, and I've done a lot of business with Jethro, top dude. And um, and yeah, often I'll hit up Jethro. Jethro, you getting in the yard yet or what? He's got his uh, he's got his banana back. So, but the I think the great mystery of all of this is behind the dealership down there. There's uh, there's a HQ Statesman, and there's a I think there's a a Calais. There's, a, there's three or four quite desirable cars. The mystery is that they haven't been stolen. Because they've been sitting out in the open there for years, so I always drive past and go. I mean, the windows are smashed in now, and there's a lot of parts stolen. But I'm like, how have these cars not been put on a trailer and taken away? <laughs> yeah, I had a good walk around Jethro's place as well. Actually, I've been in there, and um, he's got some cool old military trucks and stuff like that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah he does. He does. He's got. Uh, he's actually just put that one up for sale. The the the, 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 to the Dodge, I think it is. So yeah. Nah, Jeff, that's good. It's speedway now. So. Yeah, and I mean, coming from Cooma, you would have walked around Flynn's once or twice. Ah, uh, fascinating. Flynn's, Flynn's yards. I went back a few years later when I was when I was very young. 
Um, I was actually I was in uh, would have been the actual first car I ever built was an FB Holden, and but I never got it registered. It was a red Mica red uh, bit of a show car, and uh, sorry Monza red XT Monza red. And anyway, I needed a guard and I needed some stuff, and and Flinny, we ended up making friends with Flinny because um, we just loved going up the wrecking yard and having a look. But in those days, when I was sort of 16, 15, 16, there's still two door coupes and Monaros up there, man. Like it, you know, there was lines. There was the, the, once again, I was just in X, Y's, and Dubs. There was fifty of them, you know. There was thirties, Fords. There was a, everything was still up there. But yeah, and uh, Flinny's is a, I think it's the fifth biggest in the Southern Hemisphere or something. It's it's a it's a quite a large wrecking yard that one. Yeah, there's there's four thousand cars in there. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, he he won't part stuff out anymore. You got to buy a whole vehicle because he's trying to sell the joint. But um, I managed to get a few bits for a split screen combi I had for a while there that I sold. And um, there was he had one there that was smashed up enough that he realised it was never going to be restored. So he was happy. And he but he wouldn't. It was summer and he wouldn't let me take a grinder out there because he didn't want the joint to burn down. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's happened a few times up there. So yeah, so he um, he basically hooked me up with about four pairs of really subpar tin snips and i had to go up there and cut cut the it was a section of the dash <laughs> out of a, a split window combi and uh yeah it was that was a bit of fun but i funny talking about lance i he had a uh like a 52 chev truck in there and um and i went in and chatted to him and you know flinny and i we shook hands on a bit of a deal i said oh how much do you want for this he's like oh two and a half grand and i was like oh that was back when you could buy them for like a couple of grand. And um, and I kind of stalled on it. And, and like for me to get up there now, it's it's probably five or six hours from where I am. And then to build, to pick up a truck that big, you've got to have a serious bit of kit to pick it up. And so I kind of, I, was, I just hadn't committed to it. I hadn't given him any money, so I didn't own it. And then I saw Lance posting up one day and it was a picture of him loading that truck up. And I was like, you son of a bitch, you know, like, but, um, yeah, no, good fun. Yeah. So, I actually, just on Lance, one of the things I absolutely love about, I remember the first time I went to his house in Wollongong and um, and I, I didn't realise, like I hadn't taken note of his, I thought he had like a yard and I thought he had like a bit of an industrial thing going on. And then you get to his house, mate, front yard, jams, chocker, and then you go up the back and, you know, like I said, we've since become, particularly with, the, you know, he's, he's, he's had quite, you know, a tough time the last year. Uh, we've sort of, my history is actually in, in pastoring churches. And so we were sort of a little bit in the chaplaincy sort of role and just really, uh, I guess, really taking care, a care role in his world. And uh, yeah, me, myself and, and Nat went up there a couple of times, took him out to breakfast, just spent a few hours just, I guess, care process. But um, I just couldn't believe, you know, we went walking through all the, the back shed and all the rest and just like, mate, you are pro. <laughs> That's a Harley tank there, thirty-three coupe grill there. You know, just so cool. Yeah. He every now and then he goes through some old photo albums and and posts up photos of him as a you know in his twenties with the big bushy beard and the the choppers and yeah, yeah. he's a, a real character. Yeah. I'd look, if I got him on the podcast, I'd have to have about a three-hour episode, I think, just to talk to him about. So. Yeah. You would, man. You would like you'd have to ask him about the model A and jammed under his house. Every time the model A wears it, it's under the house. It's the retirement <laughs> fund. Mm. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about what what are you currently, like what's the number one project? You said, you know, the, 
you're building an XY GT replica for the boss. What what are we doing in the way of of trucks right now? What have you got? All right, so we've got uh, so currently we've got two trucks on the build as we speak, and we're prepping for a third. Um, we've got a '52 Chev, which was actually Nat's uh, grandfather's uh, norms. We're, we're we're building that in uh, in the last couple of days. We just posted up. It's finally a roller. We finally got the 20 inch BCIs onto it, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a. We've actually taken the original chassis. We've gone the long way round, um, but I really wanted to use the original chassis because I sort of gave my word to Nat's dad that we would use as much as we could of the truck. So uh, I wouldn't do it again, but it's been a good process. Um, so we've used the original chassis. We've actually rolled a um, a Commodore front end out of a WH statement because we're running a, a, a turbo powered or an LS with a, a turbo uh, fitted to it in this one. And uh, so we actually have designed a full front end to accommodate that with strut towers. We're running coilovers in that. Um, yeah, a 285 kilowatt LS uh, one with a, a turbo setup on about 10 pound of boost, uh, four speed auto, and uh, I think we're running a crewman diff in that one. So, because I'm actually going to use it for towing and commercial use. So yeah, so it's a it's a it's coming along. It's it's taken a long time because of some of the design factors that we've put into it. But uh, yeah, we just blown another five grand on it in the last week with billet this and you know uh, Dakota gauges. Just the fight we've got to set off twisted garage. So I couldn't find them anywhere. He had one set. So uh, Jace messaged me. He goes, "Mate, I've got one set." I'm like, "Me and a, another guy. We both paid for a set. I've got my set. Dave's waiting for his." So the the original chassis that you can see here in the background, that's an original chassis for my truck. And yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, you know. The, there's kind of the two ways to go. You go to you go a HQ style, a lot easier, but then you don't have the towing capacity and all that sort of stuff, or or you or you do this sort of a way. So that's right. Yeah, and and so are you are you doing much of the work on that at all, or is it you know you've got it outsourced for a lot of work? Oh look, early on we were doing a fair bit, but I've just I'm actually a builder, a carpenter by trade, and I've just. This last, particularly COVID, we've um, it's just got so so busy. We've sort of been working six days a week for months and months and months. So um, I just ended up just going, boys. I've got a couple of young fellas I work with. I've actually got three or four guys that I work closely with um, who actually build build vehicles, who build hot rods, modified vehicles, rat trucks, and um, and so the boys have actually just taken it on. Uh, yeah, a couple of young fellas called Brad and Pat Brines, uh, a couple of young guys here in town, late uh, early thirties, and um, yeah, so they've sort of just we're following through. I've I've ended up just becoming more the sourcer and more the the, the finder, uh, the buyer. Yeah, I, I it's funny. Last night I sat on a, on a on a crate with my best mate in his garage with our wives, and we we had an argument. Uh, his name's Tim, and uh, Tim is a genuine car builder, like the best, one of the best I've ever seen. And um, as of last night, at about eleven forty, we're we're committing one day a week to get into the tools back on the tools and follow through because you know like anything man, the, the building industry is so crazy we've booked up for six months advance but I, i'm not getting to do what i love and i love building cars i love playing with cars i just love being around them so so we're diving back in but the last little while I haven't so um bear look the chevy's one we're also in the middle of building a 36 ford pickup and uh i was a, i was very fortunate enough to be able to get an original 36 untouched truck beautiful complete truck flathead everything else and uh 
So we've we've got that one getting built uh, in another location in, in Dubbo here, and that's uh, we've actually um, using that cab on a 1950 Pilot chassis. So the Pilot chassis are, there's only about 90 mil difference in the length, but they've got a higher rise in the back end, and uh, they're 16 years younger. So they've got hydraulic brakes, and uh, they're just a, a probably a lot better uh, idea to use the original. Well, the truck chassis, I don't but using that for now. Nah, let's just go with a proper car chassis. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's getting, uh, we've got a, a nice little APA out of a 54 F100 going in that uh, with a, my mate Tim, he's got a three speed manual with the genuine car manual with, and getting 1940 synchro gears fitted. So it doesn't crunch every time you move a gear. And uh, yeah, original banjo diff, um, all the rest of it, uh, got artillery rims with white walls. And uh, we've just ordered a heap of stuff for four-inch drops, uh, drops for axle front end, and uh, yeah, some shocks. Going to sit in shocks because the old single spring. Yeah, we're, we're dropping them three inches, and we're dropping them back to six and seven leaves. So we, we better put some shocks in, otherwise you'll roll like a barrel. <laughs> yeah. What year is that truck? Thirty-six. Yeah, and so that is that your beer barrel grill kind of look? No, it's just before the the beer barrel is another truck. Um, it's actually a, a little bit early. It's got the that 35, 36, really nice sort of sweeping front grill. Yeah, they're pretty pretty sort of. I've got a 35 grill set aside as well, but I'm keeping it original with the 36. Like it's an original, all panels, bonnet, radiator. Um, or not the radiator, but the, the grill, uh, lights. We're just we're keeping all the original stuff and we're, we're customized. Well, I may have been able to find a 1939 uh, tub down in Grenfell with original tailgate, headboard, everything. So we're just, we're chasing that right now. And if I can get that, we're using that and just going to use some uh, modified pilot rear guards that'll be widened and patinaed. So yeah, it'll be a pretty sweet little truck that one. And are you building these, like obviously the 52 was was your partner's grandfather. So you got, that's a keeper. Is, is the Ford a project that you might probably sell or? No, I don't sell anything. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, I have a belief, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Rob McAnilly, he's the local wrecker here in Dubbo and we're, we're having beers one night at his house and he was talking about the metal bank and we were just talking about the end of the day, vehicles in the current climate is one of the best investments you can have and being collector and classic, you can borrow against them. Like it's just, they're just a really good asset to have and, um, you know, if you, if you have the privilege, and, and look, we've been very fortunate, been able to source a lot of because of where we are, being in the west of New South Wales here, we, we've just, you know, you get on the leads and about 50% of the time those leads run, uh, they run right They and, and we're able to source. And yeah, look, we had in the backyard here, I had a, for a time, I had a 39 beer barrel, I had a 36 bigger of a forward truck and I had a 37, which was half built as well. So all in, well, with an ex-wife who's sitting down the back. So yeah, they, they are around. So Yeah, and, and it's pretty dry out there too. So, I mean, you wouldn't be picking up stuff that's too rusted. Nah, man, nah. They're, they're just, you know, and they're, they're, they're genuine to the farms a lot of the time as well. Uh, they may have had two or three changes. Uh, you know, my best mate, Timmy, who, who who's, we're, we're building the XY over in his shed. Um, my, my Natty's family also had a 37 Ford truck sitting on there as well. That was one of the others. And just through a deal, Tim ended up getting that and uh, has made this really mad um, chopped and channeled 37. Just, you know, just beautiful rake, 
flathead three-speed pickup. And um, yeah, it was just sitting 40 years and we had to get the chainsaw and the tractor and cut the tree out of it. Yeah. You know, one of those stories. So, yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and what's the other build? Uh, a Zephyr, a 59 Zephyr. So yeah, this thing's pretty wild. This is, uh, it's a, a thousand kilo car. We've put a 347 Windsor in it. Uh, C4 with a 3000 Storley and a Hilux cut down 31 spine Hilux diff with uh, some custom made 17 inch steel wheels. Um, oh man, it's got about 80 mods that thing and uh, lowered springs. It's, so to do it right, the floor, anyone who knows Zephyrs know the floors just rust out terribly in them. So from the firewall all the way through to the back of the boot was completely cut out and uh, we, we designed it with. Um, Actually, Tim uh, just this once again did a master job. Um, put a full chassis in it, so he full full ninety mil welded up full box chassis, and then put a brand new floor in it like a race car, and um, triangle, you know, hump, uh, shifter hump, and all the rest of it. And you know, even when you look at it, it's got a and M uh, shifter in it, and it sits at about a thirty degree angle, points straight at the driver because we can. So <laughs> you know, just a lot of cool stuff, but. You know, an X an XY collapsible column that's grafted into the original box. Um, you know, XW disc brakes with Commodore uh, calipers. You know, lowered front end. It's, it's just had a lot of things done to it. And uh, you know, fuel tank. Uh, we get fuel cell in the boot, electric pump, battery in the boot, rewired the whole lot. Uh, but it's it's just a really cool patina car with a nice rack on top. And uh, we're hoping to get it down to the summer that's this year. So just trying to get it through engineering in the next little while. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, I interviewed uh, Shane Peterson early on in the piece, and yeah. and his his old man was sort of one of the very first guys in Australia that was like a proper, pretty much brought burnouts to you know like to what it is now in the scene, and and his burnout vehicle was yeah. a Zephyr. That's the black Zephyr, hey. episode 22 on the podcast and we, we had a good interview with him and and we talked a bit about his old man so have a listen to that one you probably enjoy that yeah yeah no i i, I was told about that and i was quite inspired because he was the he was with the chris chris stowe before uh chris chris stowe so uh, <laughs> where are we here i got oh, it that's just a yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's much yeah. yeah that thing's iconic yeah. man that black yeah that that's the dude who set burnouts they say He's one of the guys who, who who was the king of the burnouts. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was cool talking to him about that. So, yeah, my my old man had a um, cool. yeah. a Mark III Zephyr was his first car, I think. So, yeah, it's always always something that. Uh, yeah, they're a fascinating car. What I found with the Zephyr is anyone under fifty is like, what's that? But anyone over fifty is like. My granddad had one of these, and it was pale blue, or it was you know that green, and because it's all original panels to body, and um, there was very minimal rust in the actual outer shell of the body, and uh, it's all straight with nearly no dents, so it was the perfect car, and it was actually a low line, so it had all these extra bits, a little bit like a say a Fairmont to a five hundred, so yeah, so it had um, all these bits and pieces, and so we've sort of tried to keep a lot of the the original bits. To, to, to see that it's a it's still a Zephyr, but yeah, you just don't see it, mate. Like we, we chose to do it because it was just something super, super different. And we've only taken it to one show and it was, man, we, we uh, sorry, to two shows, to a Cars and Coffee and we didn't get, we didn't get to have a break in 
five minutes. We just had person after person after person just going, man, what is this? And, mm. you know, just because you don't yeah. see them. So, yeah. yeah. No, they're cool. So what what happens with, in your heart, I mean, you're, you're a Ford man, it sounds like to me, and and you're building uh, a Chevy. So how how do you how does that go? Oh, I, I like to say I'm bi. <laughs> so I think what it is, right? Like, so my daily wit, um, my work trucks just an old a cool old Hilux, but my daily driver is a VYSS LS1 six speed because. Um, I've driven both the, those climate of cars, the Fords. I've got to say, I, I like the Holdens better. I love LSs. I think LSs are God's gift to the planet when it comes to just cheap, reliable, home, not cheap anymore. Clearly, the market in the last 12 months has gone, you ain't getting your $3,000 LS car anymore, But um, unless you know someone. But they're, they're just they're just a really, really, really good motor that can take a good lot of flogging. So I think... Um, you know, this Chevy that we've, we're doing now is an LS. The, the next one, I've got I've got all the gear to build a 55 F100 pickup. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm seriously considering LS, LSing that one as well because they're just reliable, good horsepower. And throw a turbo on, like, the turbo on this one we're doing should give us at about 450, 470 horsepower. Like, man, that was unheard of back in the day. So Yeah, it's I, yeah. I find it so... Yeah, you know, it's so interesting how loyal people are to the brand, and you know, like every Chevy on the road just about's got a Ford nine inch in the back of it. You know, like the people aren't afraid Correct. to use the best product yeah. in in a Chev, and that happens to be a Ford rear diff. You know, and but the minute you talk to a Ford tragic about putting an LS into a Ford, it's like it's like you've stabbed their grandmother or something. You know, it's like the worst thing ever. You, you have you've taken their birthright. Oh, it's like, what about a barra? What about, yeah. you know, you could do, oh, put a, you know, and it's like, well, who cares, you know, like yeah. most of the classic trucks that we see on the road, not, not much yeah. is original. Like, you know, even if you, you know, you say you do a HQ swap chassis or you do whatever else it is, you know, like you, you're changing a steering column, you're changing this, you're changing that, you're putting all the best parts in. And, you know, and if, if, if like you say, like an LS is traditionally right now, it's, it's the new small block and it's just the, the cheap traditional power. And yeah, yeah look, I, yeah, I, I don't understand cause I'm not a Ford tragic. I'm, I'm not by, <laughs> but, uh, I, I like to call myself era specific. So, you know, if, yeah, if it's for me, it's yeah. 47 through to about 59. Um, as long as it's yeah. not a Bedford, yeah. I think I could own it. <laughs> <laughs> Bedfits is what you have when you don't got nothing else, man. Oh man, I I tell you one thing. I you know I drive around here. I could probably within fifty k's of where we're sitting right now, I I could go and buy twenty five Bedford J ones, like just pile them up in a pile. And I sometimes wonder, is this like maybe in five years' time when there's no more Chevs and Fords around? Is the J1 the next cool thing and I should be buying them right now and stockpiling them? <laughs> no. No. Because no. the old rule of thumb, this was, I had an old mate tell me this years ago and he was spot on. He said, son, remember this. If they're really popular and they're popular and they're sought after in their day, they'll be popular and sought after in the, in the later day. He said, if, if people 
used them as a as an infill, and clearly Bedford's were. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I was at a, I was at a sale where I bought a heap of a heap of cars and uh, a clearance sale out of Dunny Do, and I honestly had the the chance to buy five Bedfords for ten dollars each, and I did because I was like, why? I can't sell them. I can't move them. Even the you know, I hate to say it, but even some of the the later seventies round AT fours and the round body dodges, I know I know they've definitely got a cult following, but they're, they're sort of not far behind in regard to trucks. I've, I've had a couple of them and I couldn't get six hundred bucks for them. So you know, they're just they're just unfortunately to some models. Some people love them, and you know, some people are diehard Bedfords guys. And I mean, if you look at it, I nearly bought a nineteen thirty six Bedford. You know, it was a uh, basically a Holden Holden body, which was the same as the Chevy, and I'm like. Yeah, that's cool. The early ones, they're, they're bad, but, you know, you sort of, it's <laughs> A1, you're like, uh, I think I'll just buy a, a, another XY. So. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the A series, are not, they're not too bad. They look all right, like a 55 sort of model. And like yeah. like you said, the early pre-40s ones can look pretty cool, but. They're very cool. And it's not that they'll dress them up hard. So, yeah, but I think going back to brands, man, like my, I've got an XY here, a replica I've built. And uh, it's got a genuine GT motor I bought out of the truck shed in Ningen. And uh, it's, it's 500 horsepower, genuine 4B351. And uh, I've got another XY. It's got a fully worked 302 Windsor. And the Zephyr's the 347 Windsor. And, um, you know, I, I love those Ford motors. I absolutely love them. The 351, I've set the MSD at 6.2 because it's too expensive to blow that motor up. But, you know, there's nothing like a... a Cleveland 351 screaming down the road at six green. Um, but they're also so expensive to build. Um, you know, people don't realize, you know, when, when you're actually building these, we're, we're just about to do a nice little warm 351 for Nats XY. And, um, you know, the, we're going to spend a lot more money than buying an LAS, that's for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you on the sound. I, so I grew up in Glen Rowan and uh, so we used to go and water ski up at um, Lake Buffalo out of Myrtleford. And, uh, and you know, that, that area was traditionally a tobacco farming. So you had these, um, all the tobacco farmers, uh, you know, which are no, they were normally more of an Italian heritage. And they were, for some reason, that was just Holden. Like everyone had a HSV Holden of some description, a club sport or a Malou or something like that. And uh, I ended up actually buying an old ski boat off a friend that lived up there. And, and so we take it up there and it, it had a, a 302 Clevo in it. And you'd, you'd have all these Holdens rumbling around, you know, 308s and stuff like that. And then and then you'd fire up the Ford and everyone would just go, what the hell is that? You know, like it's such a different sound. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. They, they just, they really, really are. And I'm a, when I was younger, I could hear, oh, I'm one of those guys that, if I heard a V8 in the distance, I'd like meerkat, and I could tell you what it was. Except the Chryslers, I could. I always struggled with the 318s and the 360s, but um, yeah, you could always tell a you know, you know, you could always sort of pick. But you know, at the end of the day, anyone who's true blue Australian knows that a good hardcore Cleveland sounds pretty much you can't beat it. So yeah, I had a bunch of them. I had a, a I was a a fair lane guy for some reason. I had a ZG, which I think is about a 72, like an XC. Um, 
That was my that was my very first car, and okay, yeah, yeah. that was that was the most comfortable car I've ever driven. It was like sitting in a couch, and just you know, like just driving a boat. It was amazing, but um, yeah, I had a, had a whole bunch of V8 Ford Fairlanes, so they're cool cars. So um, so let's chat about something that we were talking about before we started recording, and uh, something that you know, I I guess I I get involved with a bit of stuff on Facebook, but I also like to sit back and and watch a bit of what goes on, and and so. In in this town, I'm probably the guy that's known about having old trucks and cars. Like I buy and sell quite a bit myself. Where are you? Where are you again? You're in Victoria, right? Now. Yeah, I'm in Mount Beauty. So Mount Beauty, yeah. Yeah. So I've probably bought and sold about five or six classic trucks over the last few years as well. And um, and I do that, you know, to kind of to save them and to fund a bit of my build. So it's sort of you know it works out really well. Yes. But sure. um. So you're obviously sort of well known uh, around your area as someone that can, you know, get a vehicle and clean it up and sell it, and and uh, yeah, you you had a Tirana that you were um, you were selling for somebody in town. It wasn't yours personally, but um, tell us a little bit about that story because Facebook, you know, you you got you got roasted pretty hard on there. Oh, it blew up, man. It was, um, you know. Talk about the war, you know, the, the you know, cut me, I believe, blue or cut me, I believe, red. Um, you know, I gotta say, the Tirana guys are in a league of their own. And um, so, what it was is, I got bored in. A friend of mine uh, told me one day, I'll tell you a bit of the longer story. Um, just down, it's actually just down the road from me where this car was. And uh, made a mind to do a heap of XY stuff with him in cars. He's a, he's a finder and a flipper like me. He goes, listen, man. I've actually given your name to a to a lady, a widow. She's lost her husband, and he was a quite a significant redhead in Dubbo, and um, and she's actually got three or four cars she wants to sell, and and one of them's a uh, an SLR Tirana, like as an eight or a six, because straight away if it's a five thousand, it's like, all right, what do I do? Do I do I ring the guys in Sydney that I know I'll get premium dollar? Do I do I put it out to market so that you know, people, it, it gets a chance. Someone can have a chance that's been looking for it. And, uh, and I'll tell you a side story about what happened with this car as well. And uh, anyway, I decided, I went and spoke. I got the numbers off Shannon's, what it had been valued at a couple of years earlier. And we, 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 we sort of worked out the price and, uh, and I put it up for sale. Well, <laughs> it was only 3300 And uh, I got over 200 inboxes. I got roasted online because at the same time I put an XW Falcon Ute up as well uh, for the same lady, and and some uh, very simple person decided that I was a scammer, and then it just ran. It's uh, you know unfortunately toxicity seems to uh, what do they say about uh, poo poo? It seems to draw the flies, and uh, see where I come from, where about honey it draws the bees. And uh, but now nah, clearly this was uh, poo poo because it drew the flies and we got hammered, man. And uh, and I'm trying to trying to go through like it went about seven o'clock in the I think I put it up at about six a.m. in the morning. At uh, no, it was three a.m. I put it up super early, so okay, all right, there'll be a few inboxes by the time I wake up. Man, I had eighty by the time I woke up, and um, and you got people, you know, I'll give you a thirty-five, I'll give you. A, I'll give you the money. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. We'd, we'd sold more, of course, than that. But um, 
yeah, and I'm, and I'm trying to, to go through. I couldn't even get to work that day for an hour and a half because I'm just trying to manage these. Okay, you're, you're number 10, you're number 11, you're number 12. Dude, I've got 12 in front of you. Sorry, sorry. And I go, you're, you're a prick, mate. How do you, mate? I've, I've got the money cash here. I had one dude take a photo of cash. Say, you lose you. Is that it? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to sell this car for a woman because she, like, I, and I heard about the, People have been around there offering her five, six, seven grand for it. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to be somewhere around 40, but we, we need to, it'll be the inbox office. It, it, like anyone knows, it's when you get the proper inboxes, they're serious. You know, the, the old tie kickers that just comment. And my Lord, there was there was hundreds of comments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What an experience that was. <laughs> so I actually had two of my mates get on there ring me and said, dude, you're getting roasted. Like, mate. But one one mate, Craig Bayless, he's a mad XY dude up here. He just, mate, I, I messaged the dude and I, I did the same back to him, mate. I just want you to know we're for you. Just, mate, hope you're right. <laughs> you know, it's a catch twenty two on Facebook. You know, you you advertise stuff and yeah, you get a you get all the most amazing offers for stuff. And you know, like I had a, I had a split screen single cab combi it was a 58 model so it was a, a semaphore model it had um original paint patina with sign writing on it and stuff it was yeah really nice the, wow. the back half of it was gone like it was pretty much just the cab was unbelievable but then it was just about it pretty much was chassis it had uh the engine bay area was still good so i still had the you know like the vin number stamps and everything was really good but I mean, you can buy every part to rebuild those things. So I had all the, you know, you could you could build it all. That's right. And um, so I put a bit of a, I think I put ten grand on it, you know, which to me is too much. But I was like, well, I might as well, I might as well start high and see how I end up. And yeah, so I I ended up, I didn't get that much for it, but I got well and truly what I wanted for it. And and I, I really hope he finishes building it, you know, like unfortunately well I, I don't know if it's unfortunate but it's gone to a local guy here who who has more cars than he will ever know how to build so um when when he bought it off me because he just he just started selling a heap of stuff i think he had to clear out a shed that he'd sold or something like that so he was selling all these vehicles and um he had a just a shit ton of old commodores like wagons and stuff like that and i think he was selling them off at a thousand bucks a pop or something like that you know and so he was like, you know, this is X amount of Commodores that I'm giving you money for this combi, you know. So, yeah, it was really funny. I, they're, they're actually, I don't know if I actually told you, man, but we actually own a split screen. Yeah, cool. We got, we got, a, we got a 62 um, delivery down on the farm. Someone's cut windows in and, uh, yeah, look, it's pretty rust. We, we, we actually only paid a few grand for it last year. Um, but, you know, there's going to be 40 or 50 in, in metal on it. But. Um, yeah, I, I'm just astounded the cop because every time I move into it, like when I sell the cars, like I just sold a GT350 replica Mustang for another mate of mine, and um, and we, we got our 40k for it, and um, you know, it was uh, actually 45, sorry, and um, yeah, shot that one down to Melbourne, and um, I, I get the guys come come to me because we've just had a very good success at being able to get the prices or better than the market, um, but. Uh, each time we get a car, I sort of need to learn as I go, and I just I found the different markets so peculiar and so fascinating. The split screen combi 
culture is phenomenal. It, it, it's I've never seen anything like it. So yeah, so we've got little Subaru set aside for its motor, and uh, you know, got all the little stuff with a roof rack and everything all set aside for that. But yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it, 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 and it's funny, you know, it, the COVID tax. I don't know sort of how much you've talked to people about COVID tax, but it, it sounds like you're responsible for it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we've just sold seven XYs out of Lightning Ridge for a mate of mine, and uh, he just got stuffed around, and so we bought one, like, you know, and um, you know, some cars we sold five case sedans, others we we got fourteen for. Um, so we do try to price what's fair, but. You know what? What I'm saying is, sometimes some cars just go silly, and you're like, "How the heck did that get that?" But that's what I'm saying. COVID, COVID. I think all these holidayers who, who are stuck at home have just decided to all go do projects. And then I, I, we, we've sold as of yesterday. We sold all seven. Like gone. So wagons were used for life. So yeah. They'll be they'll be for sale again as unfinished projects in two years, unfortunately. But. <laughs> uh. Yeah, this is very true. So, so, so you put like you're just putting like an EJ22 into the combi or something? Uh it's a it's a Liberty mode. I can't even tell you what model it is. It's it's a Carby one, I think. It's not the electronic one. I think it's the distributor one. So meant to be a bit more reliable, or something. And do you do you know about Subi Gears? So there's a business in Melbourne. It's called Subi Gears, S-U-B-I Gears. And um, and they can reverse your gearbox, so you can use a Subaru gearbox in the rear end of a combi. Oh, instead of the transfer setup, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, because we we we're going to build it in a couple of years, so we can go doing the whole drive and camp deal in it. And um, yeah, my, my missus always want one, and one of my my daughters, you know, that's that's her inheritance. You know, she's super cool on the combi. She she lives. Yeah. We call it her name is Belle. And we're actually calling the, the, the splitty belt because uh, I mean it matches us. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've had I've had three of them now and I've sold them all. But what I've realised is that I'm six foot four and I just don't fit in a split screen combi. So, <laughs> so you know yeah, they they are truly a unicorn. Like if you if you're driving up a country road and you can find a a split screen combi in a paddock now, you've found a unicorn. And 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 I. It, it'll surprise you. I found that single cab Ute. Uh, it was just out of Jindabyne on the way to Cooma. No, you would have driven past. You would have driven past and been able to see that thing a thousand times. And and I I spotted it up the paddock. I spent like my wife hates driving with me because I never look at the road. I'm just looking behind a shed or up a up a creek. You know, looking everywhere. And <laughs> any car, real car guy does, man. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was Easter uh, a few years ago, and because I'm a metal sculpture artist, is is my main business. It's funny because I'm a carpenter by trade as well, but um, I'm now a metal sculpture artist. So, Jindabyne do this um, lake light sculpture show around Easter. So yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I was participating in that. We had a couple of sculptures there, and I I hadn't been to Flynn's for a little while, so I was like, oh, I'll pop out to Flynn's and have a chat to him. And this was, I think, on the Monday morning, and, and I'm an idiot, and I'd forgotten that it was Easter, and it was a public holiday, so it was closed. So I drove all the way out to Cooma to have a look, and it was closed, and I was like, cracking the shits. And then... 55Ks, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, so I'm driving back, 
And uh, as I drive down, I just come down this, this valley and I sort of was looking around. I look up the paddock and when, you look, when you're constantly looking for old Chev pickups, like you well know, you just, you can spot that shape. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, you know, when you it's watch, uh, unless it's an international yeah. sitting at an angle and you get blown off a bit by the international. <laughs> but, but you know, like you, you watch Terminator and like there's all the writing on the screen and, and you know, he like does a, identifies the person. I feel like my brain does that when I drive along. I'm like, do, 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 do. no, that's an old Bedford. No, do, 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 do. anyway, so I saw this, the back of a vehicle shape and I went, that actually looks like a Chev roofline, you know, because if you look at the back of a single cab combi, it's a quite a similar shape and a similar window. And so, bang a Yui, you know, back up to where I can see it. And I draw it, you know, and this is a good tip for everyone listening. Get yourself a $50 set of binoculars and throw them in the back of the car because that's what I do. And so I got back and I, I pulled up and I got the binos out. I'm standing on the back of my Ute and I like zoom in. You know, like you got to get the focus right. Yeah. And I just, as I'm focusing, it was just like, ah, holy shit. I know what that is. Like, yeah. And because it was on that angle, you know, like the, um, where the window comes down, you got the quarter window. There's that little dog leg angle in the door. Yeah. And I, I know that I can spot it from a mile away, you know. And I was just like, oh my fucking God, that's a split screen combi. And, and then I spent the next two hours driving up country roads trying to find the farmer that owned the property finally found out who it was off someone else got his phone number rang the guy left a message he rang me back a couple of hours later and um yeah we had a convo on the phone and i was like oh mate you know and it's funny because i i, I didn't trespass on his property but i you know used a set of binos and i said oh i was just i saw that you have an old volkswagen you know on your farm and he was like, how the hell did you say that? You know, and I was like, well, you know, so I had to explain it. But um, yeah, anyway, he was like, oh, it's pretty, pretty bad. Like, it's pretty rusted. It's just scrap metal, you know. And I was like, yeah, oh, I haven't really seen it. But, you know, I'd, I'd really like to come and have a look at it. You know, do you reckon we could do that? And he was like, yeah, meet, meet me at five o'clock and we'll go and have a look. So I drove. So I went back into Jindabyne for a few hours. And then I drove back out and met this guy. And yeah. Uh, and so we walked out there and we're I'm walking, we're driving up the road and then all of a sudden there's a big farm shed and there's a 52 Chev pickup in his, in his shed as well. And I'm like, Oh, no, what about right. that? You know? That's and he's right. like, yeah, he's like, no, what about that? no, that's not. Yeah. That's me tipper. But, that, that's me tipper. Yeah. You know, no, yeah, yeah. Tipper, it had a big water cart on the back. He's <laughs> like, no, that's not for sale. But next time, I'm, next time I'm up that way, I'm going to hit him up. But, um, yeah, so we went and had a little combi and you know, like it, he he bought it off his cousin 40 years ago for 60 bucks and he'd pulled the engine and gearbox and the you know like the rear drivetrain out of it to put in a little to build a buggy and then he chopped the yeah. tray off to build a trailer at some stage and it had just been thrown on a pile of rocks so it was sitting it was sitting nose high on a pile of rocks which is why it's not rusted out it was amazing wow. anyway yeah, and, yeah, and you know, like normally it's the guy like us who's trying to talk it down so we can buy it cheap. But he was talking it down for me. He's like, "Ah, oh, it's fucked," you know. Like, what are you? And I, so I said, <laughs> I said, look, oh, you know, like I'm into commies and this would be good for some spare parts. You know, he's like, "Well, what would you offer me?" And I was like, "Oh, I, I don't know if he's playing me and he really knows what they're worth, or and I don't want to, 
offer him a ridiculously low price and be an asshole about it, you know. So I, I said, oh look, I give you five hundred bucks for it because I mean that's more than scrap price, and you you never seen a guy so excited he couldn't believe it. Like that's when he told me he paid sixty bucks for it forty years ago. He was like, he thought he'd won Tats Lotto and. And he's like, oh, yeah, no worries. Yeah, 500 bucks, you know, when do you want to come and pick it up? And I said, oh, I'll be back here. Like, what time in the morning, you know, can you load it with your tractor? He's like, yeah, no worries. And I'd gone out of my way to load my ute up with all my sculptures so that I didn't have to take a trailer all the way to Jindabyne because you know what the drive's like. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, shook hands with him. I said, I'll see you in the morning. I rang my wife. I said, I'll be home soon. And I drove all the way home six hours um spent the night at home hooked up the trailer left it like sparrows fart in the morning and drove all the way back to buy this thing so yeah it was uh that was one of my that's my best find Uh, ever it was amazing that's a really good find man because they're um yeah look you know mine was um it was i saw an ad on gumtree with terrible photos and i thought it was over forbes and uh a fellow had it and uh, you know, I've, I've messaged him, and you know, you get chatting with someone online, and, and when you got someone chatty, you know, you sort of, you know, you got to, you just got to work out who they are and what they're about. Anyway, he, um, yeah, he'd advertise it for four grand, and um, no, he'd advertise it for offers, and I was like, yeah, right, you know. Anyway, he, I get talking to him on the phone, and he's got a, he's got one of those twin rear window bugs, one of the really, really, really rare ones, like there's six of them in Australia or something. And split window, yeah. Yeah, split window, but uh, bug fifties or whatever it is, and um, super super rare. And all he wanted to talk about was his bug. And I'm like, well, I've actually rang you about your splitting. He goes, oh, I'll never touch that. Yeah, I just I, I paid four grand for it. Got it. There's a dude in Bath of Sand, and uh, he got it off Sam. He goes, mate, I just want your money back. I was like, damn. And I, you know, before it even, he goes, it's rusty. I said, I don't care. And, and at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is, it's so rusty, it's shocking. But we had a splitty and it's got its tags. <laughs> so if nothing else, it's a trophy. <laughs> yeah. Well, those VIN tags are worth four grand. You know, that, it's that's sad. Because what, what happened, you know, this is a classic pickup podcast. It's now the Volkswagen split screen podcast. <laughs> but um, what, what happened here about 15, 20 years ago was some English guys came over here and, you know, we, we just had splitties sitting around everywhere because no one wanted them because they were just a crappy old van that didn't drive very well, which they still are, by the way. And, um, yeah, so these Pommy guys cottoned onto it and basically did what we're all doing in America right now. They, they went around and bought them all up and shipped them to the UK. And I was over there, I want to say it's nearly 10 years ago, I was over there doing a snow season in, in Europe and... I went to the UK to hang out for a while and we went to anyone that's a bit of a Volkswagen tragic um, would know there's a big show called Stanford Hall in uh, in England and you've never seen you've never seen so many Volkswagens in one place in your life it was unbelievable but <clears throat> but you can spot an Aussie split screen combi from a mile away because the European models they had the little vents in the lower panels below the belt line to cool to cool the engine okay but here in australia because all our roads were dusty outback roads they weren't sealed when they started producing them for australia they put the vents up above the belt line so they're up in the window space so yeah, yeah, yeah. if you don't know that you you know you can't really tell but 
I was walking around Stanford Hall and every single, every second split screen I looked at was a, an Aussie export. And they, they got all our good ones. They raped it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> which, there you go. That, that's happening right now. Like I've contacted people over um, Facebook Marketplace about pickup trucks in America. Like, oh, hi, mate. You know, I'm yeah. interested in your truck. I'm in Australia. Oh, no. Not, not interested in I don't want this truck to leave our shores and I okay I I sort of respect it but I, I, they made millions of them give me a break but um yeah it's that's interesting yeah, yeah they're holding utes man they're holding you when you look at the Chevy runs like I, I follow a heap of those American Chevy pages and like oh I, I hate it you look at marketplace in the morning you get up and you go here's Chevy pickup it's got its tarp it's got its three thousand two hundred dollars and you're like Oh, please be in Australia somewhere. No, nah. it's, it's in Oklahoma. <laughs> Mate, yeah. this whole yeah. it's over there. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, before you were talking about engineering, man, and I just thought it's probably, I probably just sort of would, would lean out on this to say this for, for anyone listening, but um, I think it's one of those things in, in being a car builder where, you know, we have a rule of thumb in everything we do. Um, I'm a granddad now. I've got four adult children and, and some grandkids, and we have a bit of a rule of thumb around safety, which is would you put your missus, your kids, or your grandkids in it? And I think it's a really important thing because I, I but being in car, I've been in a car since I was 15, so 31 years now. And um, sometimes I meet people, and I'm having a look at their build, and I wouldn't ride in their truck. I, I, I you know, you see bird poo welding on chassis, and you're like, um. Yeah, just because you got away with it doesn't mean it's right. And, you know, it just, it sort of, it just concerns me a little. I think it's a lot better than what it used to be, but it's it's like cutting shuts on, on, on the Falcons. We saw a lot of those. And uh, um, I think it, to have a vehicle engineered is actually about safety. Uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you probably know more about the engineering factors, but we finally found a brilliant engineer. Uh, in New South Wales here, and um, I'm not going to say his name because we don't want him to get any busier, but he's brilliant, brilliant. And, you know, we've had some big talk. He's very fair, he's very practical, but he's all about safety. And, and you know, sometimes some of the, the, the jobs I've seen, I'm like, that's not safe. Yeah, what's the, what, what sort of the vibe? What do you think the vibe is in, in, in pickups in, the rap, in, the, in Australia in the rap building scene? Yes, it's an interesting one. And anyone that listens to this podcast uh, will will have heard me bang on about this a thousand times. I I very much, you know, my chassis sitting here, um, when this truck is finished, I'll go park it out the front of the police station, walk in and have a coffee with the cops and say, come and check out my truck. Because it's going to be 100% street legal, engineered, everything's correct. And and I'm like you, I, I believe in that for the safety factor. I No one ever wants to accidentally get in a crash and injure someone. But if that does happen, yeah. you know, you, you're you very liable if your vehicle's not legal. And I mean, you know, you could talk about most four-wheel drives on the road. Most guys driving to work in their Ford Rangers, their tradies, you know, if, if you've got a set of 35-inch wheels on it or you've got, you know, you've you got offset rims or something, then you're running an illegal vehicle how how much is that a problem it's not as dangerous as what what you're talking about but it's still you know it depends on how much yeah. you care about following the law but 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've got a friend, Josh, who, you know, he had a really nice 53 pickup. He sold that. He's bought a Suburban, which is sitting outside. It's a 53 Chevy Suburban. And uh, we're going to be chatting to him very soon on the podcast. But uh, he, you know, he when he was looking to buy that, we were he'd send me a message, you know, like send me these links from America. Like, oh, what about this one, you know? And it would be, it'd be, it'd look awesome. But then I'd be like, well, get him to send you some photos of the chassis, you know, like what's he done to it? And, you know, it's got a Nova front clip or it's got a, you know, it's the, the Mustang two front end that he's done himself. And, and the reality is, you know, you, and we've spoken to a few engineers on the podcast and I know speaking to my own engineer, they won't pass that stuff. And, and so you're going to spend a lot of money on something that looks really cool. You're going to ship it all the way to Australia and then it's not street legal and it never will be. And, and it's really, really hard. And um, yeah. yeah, I, you know, and if you find the right engineer and you set a, you set a plan from the get go, it's like meeting with an architect to build a house. You know, you, you, you outline what you want to achieve. They, they work out the best way for you to do that. And then you follow that goal um, you know, even if you're if you're building a vehicle and you're not a great welder, you know, like my first split screen combi, I would hate to look at those welds. Like that was with a two hundred dollar gasless MIG welder off eBay. But even if you're not a great welder and but you want to have a go at fabricating, you you can anyone can cut metal and grind it. You know, like that's you don't have to be a professional to do that. And yeah. and anyone can make a couple of tacks stick with your welder. Like just tack stuff in place. But if you're not a good enough welder, then then you really need to go and find someone to weld it for you because that's the place to learn is not on the vehicle that's going to be holding your 500 horsepower engine that you're going to be flying around in. You know, you know that's. And oh. I, I was on Facebook recently. Yeah. There was a post on one of the pages, and this is a classic example. And this guy had posted up a picture of the floor pan in his truck, and he was putting a Commodore Auto in it or something. I think he was doing an LS swap, and he. His question on the page was about um, what have you guys done to make your, you know, like, yeah. yeah. I saw that and he had the, yeah, with the little auto. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And he was just asking about how to mount the auto properly, you know, but but the floor, he'd done some repairs on the floor and, you know, like anyone, anyone that looked at it went, oh, my God, what's going on with those welds, you know, like, ooh. and and he got he got really roasted and, which I think was unfortunate. I actually got on there and made a comment. I, you know, I just sort of said, look, clearly the, the welds aren't really that great and safe, but don't roast the guy. You just got to educate him. You know, you just got to say, hey, yeah, yeah. And and I educate. think that's really important because it's, you know, say you find a cool truck on the farm and you sell it off to some guy and he's like, oh, I'm going to have a crack at this. And he starts working on it. And then he joins a page, you know, maybe you sold him a KB5 International. And so he's joined the international page and, and he's asking for advice, but all of a sudden everyone's just ragging on him and telling him he's shit. He's not going to continue to be someone. That's like, that's an unfinished project that he sold and he went and bought a Commodore U. You know, like we need to support people and educate them. And, and I think that, you know, like what you're saying is yeah. you, you do have to engineer the work because you're putting your, your kids or your grandkids or your, your wife or your partner, like are you going to fly down a highway and be a hundred percent confident in that work. It's 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 very important. Yeah. Oh, look, and it is. There's. I don't know if you saw that about uh, four to six weeks ago. It, it hit the it hit the pages hard. The the blue X 
wide or W down in Melbourne that snapped the front off. It had an accident and the front snapped off and here's the front sitting a couple of metres away from the rest of the car. And all of these conspiracy theories around it, it's not hard to explain what it is. His torque boxes were rusted. And, you know, because this is one of the things we say, like when we're putting 500 horsepower, like, you know, once again, XYs, you know, you're putting 500 horsepower. XYs don't like more than about six, 650 max because everything twists and plays and carries on. Uh, you got rusted torque boxes and rusted rails. Have fun. So things break, you know, and I think just that, that I think particularly becoming a granddad, like we've gone over and above to put a massive amount of safeties into this Chevy build because at the end of the day, you know, we're putting near 500 horsepower in that. And man, I don't want this thing to be snapping on the highway and, and end up rolling with no steering across, you know, that's just, I was in a, I was in a whole HJ Monaro one day that snapped at steering and uh, I'm not having that experience again. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, I, I know a lot of guys who they'll buy something from the States that's, you know, it's fully airbagged. It's, it's on a, you know, it's probably on a GSI chassis or a Porter-built chassis or something like that. And, and I mean, I, I've been and seen those chassis. Like, they, they are high-end, well-built vehicles. But they're, but they're, at least in Victoria, um, and I believe New South Wales, that, that sort of a chassis just, you can't register it and, unless it's a ICV, which is just another whole ball game. Um, I think Queensland's a bit different. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there is a bit of an adage in in the hot rod world: is that if you can get away with it, you do it. But uh, I think when it comes to the safety of people, you know, you got to you got to pony up a little bit and do it right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's it, man. So yeah. So fifty-two chevs in the build. So uh, it's called a Bowerbird. Now explain that one to me. Yeah, Bowerbird. So yeah, Bowerbird. So so norm. Uh, Norm White, his name was, and he was uh, a pioneer farmer down at Alectown up in the uh, Harvey Ranges. And he used to take this Chevy. This was his daily uh, whip for about eight years. And um, he would take this Chevy to clearance sales. He, he had an addiction of clearance sales. So the first time I walked on the farm, I was just junk drunk for days. Like, man, every time I'd walk through the sheds or walk through the the, the yards would be like, there's a, a Morris commercial grill. I didn't see that last time. And look at that. Uh, metal, metal round old wheels. There, there must be 150 of that. Like it was here everywhere. And as I, as I investigated and learned more about Norm, Norm used to just go, he'd buy a truckload of steel to get one thing and then he'd bring it back. He was a bow of it. Anyway, we just, we're talking about one day and like I'm very similar where I, uh, so I, I specialize in upcycled and vintage fit-outs. And, uh, and I've, uh, yeah, for a lot of years, I've done recycled and, and, and upcycled work. And um, anyway, I'm, I'm always, you know, sometimes I've been accused of being a bit of a, a tip rat. And I'm like, well, oh, call me a tip rat for that. Just that part of the wood makes me 50 grand a year. So I'm happy to be a tip rat to make it 50K. And, um, you know, and anyway, just... The culmination of even wanting to use the truck, where I'm, I'm relaunching one of my businesses called Rendell, and um, I wanted the rat truck as as the thing. It just was perfect uh, to call a bowbird because bowbirds just gather, and so that's that's the whole that's the whole deal. So anything that's uh, we tried to upcycle so much gear on that truck, yeah. So that's bowbird. 
So what are you what are you doing on the back of it? Is it it's got a tub on it and it's got guards and stuff? Are they? Yeah, yeah. So we've got uh, Lindsay Travakis. I've got the tailgate guards off Lindsay down at uh, Melbourne. Um, the boys have fabricated. We've sort of designed, taken a lot of work to design and just get it period correct with the tub. Um, but because of the Z cut and the the rear, it's sort of unfortunately it's only going to be a very little uh, tub in the back. That's fine, but. Um, I've got some hundred-year-old hardwood that I'm actually using in my boards. We've actually just about to cut them up uh, this week and, and get them fitted and get some old iron straps. So just we're really trying to stay along the lines rather than being a – it's not a 3100 pickup out of the States. It's an Australian truck that's been modified uh, that's that's reflective of its history. And so originally, actually, in 1953, that truck was actually a feature in the Royal Easter Show. So it's actually got a bit of a bit of a heritage to it. So we're just really trying to culminate. I've got the original sideboards that had all of the um, pinstriping and all the rest of it with the original colours. They're still hanging up in the shed on the farm. So we're actually re, we're, we're bringing them back into use. We're actually going to be using them. Uh, so actually get me a bit of ute side. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's the big truck front end. Are you, what size rims are you running? I've got 20 inch. I've got 20 inch by eight BCIs. They're 1600 pound a, a, a corner. Because uh, I, once again, I, I had these mad, beautiful 22s um, that were a mag off a, a you know, because we've got Commodore bolt pattern on it. And I just talked to the engineer, goes, Matt, just the nature of these trucks, man, run a steel rim. And I was like, darn, not going to argue. So, because it's engineered with them and it can. I got to tow with this thing, man. Last thing I want is to shatter a wheel because it's just the nature of the truck, you know. So yeah, BCIs and um, which actually brilliant, man. They're, they're the cheap version of Detroit's, but I think they're just a brilliant wheel, beautiful finish. They're yeah, very happy, yeah, very cheap, very happy. So. Yeah, and, and and supporting an Aussie Aussie business, you know, they're down in Geelong and they they do a really good job. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. They're they're gorgeous, like a. Very few people up here have seen those wheels, and the, even the Tyson boys said, "Man, these are the nicest solids I've ever seen." So yeah, it was good. Yeah, the good nice rim. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, um, yeah, because my mine's is a fifty, um, Chev, Aussie truck. So yeah, same thing, big big front guards and all that sort of stuff. So, but I'm running the twenty two inch Alcoa's on mine. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, you got to run the twenty plus, I think, to fill the guards because they are really big. It's like you know, with the F trucks, when you start doing the same with the an F five hundred, you you've got to run a twenty plus inch wheel. The guards are so big. Unless you, I was fortunate enough to get some American pickup guards, front rears. So I was, you know, so I'll still run probably 18s or twenties. But yeah, you you've just got to run a big rim. Otherwise, they look really weird. They eh? like an old EH with a little wheel on the back. So. <laughs> Yeah, I I actually found a, a 66 F truck yesterday. I was out and about in a in a mechanic in a mechanic's yard, and I I sort of said to him, "Oh, you know, you know." He saw me looking over his fence because I'm six foot four, so I could see over most people's fences. I'm six five, so yeah, he just <laughs> yeah, and he, and he came out and he like he was like, "What the hell are you looking at?" And I said, "Oh, you know." what's the story of the old slick out there you know and all of a sudden he was like oh okay yep and he bought it to restore it and and hasn't got around to it and and uh i said oh is it an f100 he's like yeah yeah it's an f100 and went and had a bit of a look but it, it's actually an f250 because it's got it's got that extra bit of the guard cut out i don't know if you know much about those slick guards but yeah uh, it's it's not it's not like an f600 where it's wider but it's just got the slightly bigger openings cut out of them 
Yeah. But, um, yeah, he kind of wanted a COVID price, so I left that one there. But, uh, yeah, no, really cool, mate. We probably should wrap it up. We've been chatting for over an hour. But, uh, yeah, really appreciate a uh, chance to have a chat to you. And, um, yeah, and it sounds like, you know, you, you're well entrenched in the in the scene up there and, and happy to help uh, people out with, with some issues. And, you know, it's really good to have people like you in the scene. Yeah, no, thanks, man. I think uh, I'm a massive advocate for for pioneering things, man. My whole life I've been pioneering things, and right now we're trying to we're trying to instigate a whole new culture of hot rods and cars. I think I've spent a lot of time around the church world and around um, community services, youth uh, drop-in centres, and all the rest of it. And what I've what I've definitely learned is this: a healthy car culture keeps keeps fellas talking and keeps uh, mental health conversations going and I think you know we've got there'd be hundreds of guys we're sort of loosely or closely connected with in, in Dubbo here and you know in the, in the central west around here with the car scene and it just you know I was a pastor in a church for 20 years man and, and it would have a large number of conversations the car scene would be five times what I did in ministry and I think it's um yeah you know to, to be able to there's nothing more I love. I've actually, I've actually just made a commitment to a young spray painter. Actually, I, uh, he's 26. He's just going out in his own, and I've got this cool little AUXR8, uh, just a, a factory numbers matching. It's a bit rougher in the edges. Uh, I've acquired it a few years ago, and, and he was out and he loved it. His dad had run us to listen, dude. I'm going to give you that car if you'll set your business up and you get going. Mate, you, you sell it or you keep it. Uh, it's cash, however you need to, to look at it, whether you use it as asset or use it as asset. But, mate, it's our gift. Me and Natty want to give that to you. Uh, and, look, I could get 10, 12 grand for it, man. So it's a cool car. But it's not the point. The point is to be able to get him going because he's a brilliant spray painter, but it's to get that confidence going and to just get that mate with us. And, uh, and yeah, he's just he's just on. He goes, no, I've never done nothing like that before. I go, mate, we do this stuff because... Um, one of my favourite sayings is be who you needed when you were younger. And I wish to God I'd had people doing that for me when I was his age. So um, I decided I'd be a bit of a, I'm a dad by, by both factual and a bit of a dad when it comes to instigating projects. And yeah, I've been able to, I've been able to help a lot of people get into projects at a cheap price because I just believe in the whole thing. And I love it. Absolute advocate for the, the rebuilds there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got, we got to keep it alive. And you know, I, I, I haven't spoken about this much on the podcast yet, but I, I'm actually quite interested in building an electric converted pickup truck. And, and the minute you say the word electric around hot rod guys, you know, you get this, you get a lot of negativity and, and I, and I understand, you know, most, I would say most of the people listening to me right now on the podcast would be 40 years or older, you know, like where traditionally you guys doing this stuff's a bit older and, and yeah, we grew up with a rumbling V8 and that's what we think a hot rod is. But we have to think 10, 20 years down the track is the future of what we're loving now. You know, if you're a 15, 20-year-old kid, you think electric's probably the future and you think that's a cool thing. And, and to be able to integrate that into an old classic vehicle, like, you know, it, it's happening all around the world. Um, yeah, and and, and I really yeah. think that that is the future. Whether it's a, whether it's what I would actually want to drive every day, I don't know the answer to that. But I think that, you know, I, 
I think what I, I hope is that people don't really bash it too badly because you don't have to buy one. If you don't like the idea, don't buy one. But if you've got a young person interested in a classic old vehicle, whether it's a truck or a car, don't don't bash them. Don't, oh, you can't put an electric motor in it. It's like, at least they're interested in it. They're not catching an Uber everywhere, you know, like. Yeah. Look, I think, <clears throat> yeah, look, it's fascinating because it's not if, it's when. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, you know, all you need to do is jump on a couple of years ago. I don't know if you saw those YouTube videos of that young dude over in the States who stripped his Tesla out to just the batteries in his and. He, uh, no, he had the electric motor and he went racing and he blew everybody off, including full 700 horsepower Mustangs. He beat everybody. And I think what what you'll see is, is remember a few years ago at Summonhouse, they had the XR and they had it on the biodiesel? There was a green one. Anyway, what will happen is the super coolest truck and someone will put an electric motor in it that whips everyone. And, and what you'll find is it'll start a craze. It'll just take the first person, the... Uh, the first person to initiate the first cool electric and, and how they do it or whether they put a microphone with a speaker, you know, a speaker on it or however that works. But the wine of an electric motor will become super cool in the future. And I think, you know, it's, um, I for one would love to see an electric motor powered truck. It'd, it'd, it'd beat everything. So, you know, and uh, yeah, you put one on the drag strip and you watch how many people will start to get into it. Yeah. No, totally. And, um, and stay tuned because I've got one on the go. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see, honestly, man, to see an electric motor. My father was a, a, an electrical engineer and a technician, and and he years ago, years ago, was beyond his, you know, way beyond his years with a lot of his his understanding. And I remember saying to him back then, he said, "Son, one day," and he's playing with the motor, and we're playing, and we're winding this thing out, and then we're mucking around with a remote control car, and we're winding this thing out. He said, "Son." And I would have been 10. He said, son, one day cars will run like that. It's only a matter of time because they're the most efficient, cheapest. They've just got to work out how to energy the things. So yeah, that was 35 years ago. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely happening. Yeah, I've got a 48 F1 pickup. Yeah, full, oh, full really? original yeah. matching patina, tailgate, through guards, the whole works. And uh, I've got a Tesla rear wow. subframe sitting here that's going in it. So... That's awesome, man. Well, that'll be that'll be really, really good, man. Because there's, I oh, look, I think there's a whole new spectrum that we haven't hit yet. But I think you'll find the environmentally cool cars will. It's it's who does it first and how they do it. And I think how you need to do it is it needs to be dynamic. You know, it's um, the, the everyone remembers the Duracell bunny because the Duracell bunny was just cool, it made batteries cool, and uh, sitting there doing this thing and everyone copy it. Well, I just think it's if someone can build a like a, a forty eight F one man, like you're talking the the origin man, like the whew, better than Java, and um, you know it's it's one of those things that to have that would be unreal, and then you then you wind that sucker up from the dash with its little knob. <laughs> yeah, I I say so for me for for a classic pickup with an electric motor, you know you you can do it the the cheap and easier way to do it is to put uh, you know, like a traditional electric motor, like a Hyper 9 kind of thing in there. And, and unfortunately, when you, you know, if you get on YouTube or Google and you look at Tesla swap cars, 
most of the time it's a generic battery, but we've uh, a generic motor, but with Tesla batteries, and that they call it a Tesla swap, but it really it's batteries, yeah. it's not really a Tesla swap. But um, for, yeah, so for me, if you're gonna do it and you want even people who are vaguely interested in hot rodding to be interested in it, then you need to use a Tesla motor, and you know, like a a run of the mill grandpa spec Model S Tesla that everyone has seen around town. They're zero to a hundred in three seconds. They are fast. And a 41 Ford pickup weighs less than that Tesla does. Yeah. Yeah. So you imagine direct drive and you imagine motor per wheel and, and, and your seat has to have framage because <laughs> it will just blow the back out of your cab, man. So. But I, I saw, I saw a, I saw a, a design. I can't remember. I saw, it, but I saw a design where someone, one of the automotive guys, were doing a direct drive per wheel electric motor setup, and uh, it was phenomenal. It was that it was. I, I don't know how to measure an electrical power, um, but it was like off the charts. You know, they were like the, the biggest issue is not breaking things. So. Yeah, so it's it's fascinating. Well, the biggest issue a lot of times traction. Yeah. Nah, there's there's some really cool stuff out there. I I've been following a guy who's built a um, uh, it's like a Dodge muscle car in America, and he's he's done a um a, the exactly what I want to do with the Tesla rear end and and engine and uh, yeah, it's cool as shit. I mean, it doesn't rumble like a V8, and and I get it. That's that's not cool. But when when you hit the accelerator at the lights and leave everyone else for dead. That's kind of cool. It's it's super, super cool. We were only, me, me and Tim, the, the fabricator, we were only talking about this the other day, that when fossil fuel comes to an end at some point, is it going to be in our lifetime? We don't know, but would we run a um, a really cool, you know, with the wine of a supercharger and the wine of straight cut gears people love. At the end of the day, what's going to happen is electric motors will have a cool wine to them. And, when you have a cool wine thing running down the road, it's got a mad sound. People will will incline their ears to go. I don't know what that is, but that's cool. And you know, when you hear a turbo coming down the road, you know it's it's foreign to the the V8 fellows that aren't into turbos. But I just think it's just the natural, the course. Ten years from now, we'll be going. Hey, remember when they launched that truck? Remember when Michael built that uh, that F1 with the the Tesla setup in it, and then he went and put two motors in it. <laughs> Front, rear, front drive, rear drive, electric combo setup in it. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see the future. I mean, I've got an offset. I, you know, I've got a twelve valve Cummins diesel sitting here that's going to be compound turbo going in this truck. So I've got to have a little bit of a green offset. I figure. Yeah, you, know. uh, you better because that's going to be a good one, probably. Yeah, look, I think it's, well, I think it's fascinating. It's the same as you know, uh, are we going to be hydrogen? Are we going to be doing a hydrogen? Uh, in the sense of the H2O motor, are we going to have um, a modification module for V8s? Like, you know, that t- all of that has to be on the table because yeah. the truth yeah. of the matter is it's coming. So, you know, it, a lot of people don't realise this. Back in the day, uh, in Cooma, actually, Ford, Ford America were actually hired out SMEC, which is the Snow Mountains Engineering Corp. If I remember correctly, they were working on a prototype um, magnetic motor and I don't remember what happened. I we're not sure what went down, but they they closed. Like they would have had twenty or thirty people working there for for 
for a year, year and a half. And they were working on a magnetic motor, hey, and uh, Ford, Ford America were doing it. So it was, it's fascinating the technology that exists. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably worked and then it got shut down by the oil companies, you know, like it. Right, that's what, that's what the rumor was that they got, uh, it got stopped. Yeah. So it was before yeah. its time. Yeah, but yeah, they reckon it was phenomenal. Yes, a, a little bit of information leaked out that was like this unheard of thing. Yeah. Is that your one? Yeah. That's yeah. mad, man. <laughs> that is cool. I need those guards, man. I've got a, I've got, I've got a fifty. So yeah. <laughs> that's but, cool, um, man. Yeah, I, I saw there was a someone posted up an ad. It was a GMC. Uh, it was like a nineteen fourteen GMC flatbed truck, and it was electric. And GMC were producing them back then. You know, so. This stuff's just been getting shut down every time because obviously the money in the tax was in in oil. So, yeah, we yeah. remember the, the H2O motors. There was multiple stories of people making hydrogen motors, mm. and uh, there was some dude in Sydney, I think it was, with a HQ that ran around with a water powered motor and got shut down. And you, you know, you just so I, I think you know at the end of the day, Big Brother, whether it's Big Brother proper or not Big Brother proper shutting down oil companies and like, but the technology's probably existed for a long time, man. It's just a can't shut its face. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right, mate, we'll wrap it up. Um, All right. Thanks again. I'll, I'll share some photos. We'll get some photos off you and, and put them up with the podcast and show your pickups and, and show your Falcons and stuff. So, no, it's been cool to cool to finally have a good chat to you and um, I'm sure next time I'm up that way, I'll come and chase you down. Yeah, man, come up, man. I'll, I'll show you show you what we're about up here, and uh, yeah, it'd be cool, man. It'd be good to it'd be good to catch up. I'm really can't be watching yours from a distance, man. So uh, yeah, here we go. I've actually uh, I've got I'm just about to get a, a brought up from uh, Western Victoria. Got a beautiful, clean, a '51 Chef that we just bought, and uh, I just a tub came up on the internet. Oh. I'm my old mate down at uh, down the coast somewhere. Anyway, I snapped it up, thousand dollars. I grabbed it, and um, yeah. So we've got another one after this. We've got another one coming straight after it as well. So that's getting a three eight four injected sitting out of the uh, sitting out on the site. So yeah, because no. yeah, you messaged me a while ago. I had a tub for sale, and you were chasing that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, the green one. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. we just we were. I, I bought this other one. I bought a fifty five tub, and then I was like, ah, I jumped too soon off Lindsay. Anyway, I sold that onto another mate, Shane. And um, and we went up fabricating because we got the things, but then um, yeah, because just at the end of the day, a patina tub's cool. So you can always put steel in a patina tub, but you can't really make patina. You can't, but you can't. So you know, it's um, I really wanted the whole truck to be patina, but anyway, I uh, we just used the original. So old school tailgate, old school guards, new tub <laughs> with old school timber. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So yeah, yeah. I've, <clears throat> I've got a spare set of guards here, rear guards, but I I think I've sold them. I just got a the guy's been after them, but he's in Melbourne and it's been locked down for so long that I don't I even. Mean, I don't even know. Over here, Dubbo, you just send me your bank account, man. I'll offer so money and do. Serious. All good. All right, mate. Well, um, yeah, we'll sign off on the podcast and uh, yeah, no. but, but thanks again for having a chat to us. No worries at all, man. Thank you. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. 
Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket. You'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.